All right, guys, so we're in Lesson 10 today. It's the book of Amos. So we're into the third, the third of the 12 prophets. And this one is named Amos, okay? Amos. I, I have a cousin named Amos. He lives in eastern North Carolina, and that's a good southern name. But, uh, well, and I guess Amos is from southern Israel, from Judah, okay? So maybe, that, maybe that's why we've got a good southern name here. But uh, we're going to talk about this book. We're going to get into it next week because um, we're going to be in it for a few weeks. Amos is another one of the very long, it's nine chapters long, but we're going to talk about some historical material today and just talk about the prophet and what the book is about, okay? So first thing I want you to notice is in your notes, uh, the map. So again, this is a pre-exilic prophet, okay? Everybody remember, what, is, what, is, what do I mean by pre-exilic? Anybody know? What's that? Before the exile. That's right, Gene. So this was a prophet before the exile. So when he is prophesying, though, it is, it is during the Assyrian Empire. Assyria is the major player on the block. It's the world power at this point, okay? So let's, uh, so let's talk about some different things here I want you to see. So what you're seeing on the map there is the... Uh, area that the Assyrian Empire covered at its height, okay? So, Amos prophesied during the 8th century BC, which is pre-exilic. So, he prophesied uh, sometime in the seven, what we would say the 700s range, but, and that's before the exile. The ministry and the writing of the prophecy occurred between 760 and 750 BC. So this is, we kind of know exactly when he's writing, okay? So it's sometime between 760 and 750. Now, how do we know that? Well, he tells us about two different kings who were reigning at that time, okay? So he prophesied in the days of King Uzziah's reign in Judah. King Uzziah was reigning from 790 to 739 B.C. All right, so we know that's the southern kingdom, okay, the kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom, he prophesied in the days near the end of Jeroboam II's reign in Samaria, which would be 793 to 753. So the 10 tribes to the north, that was the northern kingdom. It was being ruled by Jeroboam II. And so Amos is prophesying during the reign of these two kings, but towards the end of the reign of Jeroboam, okay? Now, here's an interesting thing, okay? So while the Assyrian Empire was the dominant military power, they were ruled by a series of weak kings for 60 years. So even though they were a dominant power, they had a... They had a series of weak kings for about 60 years. Now, what did that, what's, what's the big deal about that? Well, this provided an atmosphere for both the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom to prosper. So, even though they were the dominant power, 
and possibly they were wanting tribute and so forth, they weren't enforcing it. So those kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, could put their energy into what? Developing their economies, developing their militaries and so forth. So it was a time of prosperity, both in the north and in the south. Okay? And we know that from 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, that during the time of Uzziah, he reigned for 50-some years. It was a time of prosperity. Okay? Things were going really well. That's because they didn't have to devote their finances to what? Protecting themselves against the Assyrians. Okay? Now, this prosperity marked the nation with four areas of sin. Okay, now the problem with prosperity, if it's uncontrolled, and if you're not guarding yourself, if you're not watching yourself, you can have some serious problems. Okay, so what were these four areas? Well, these areas of sin included materialism. Okay, what do you mean by that, George? The love of stuff and doing what you can to get stuff. In fact, what you're going to find here, the oppression of the poor. That was all part of the materialism, okay? Oppressing the poor so that you could gain more money, all right? Moral corruption, that pretty much is self-explanatory, right? Okay? Political corruption. Now, what is that about? Corrupt leaders, right? Okay? Corrupt leaders who take bribes, who are drunk, and so forth. And then religious corruption. That was the corruption of the worship of Yahweh from the priests and so forth. So even though they had prosperity and a time of breathing from the Assyrians, what happens? Sin takes over. And these four areas are the four areas that Amos is going to talk about in his prophecy. Okay, He's going to talk about these four areas. Now... Let's talk about the prophet, okay? The name Amos means to bear, not bear, he's not like a bear, it's to bear, or burden bearer, okay? Somebody who carries a burden, all right? And so he, as a prophet, is carrying the burden of what is going on with the nation, okay? With the nation, the prophecy indicates that Amos was from the region of Tekoa in Judah. So there was this region called Tekoa in Judah. Now, it was a wilderness area. It was a very rugged area, okay? He, it was a rugged area located six miles south of Bethlehem and 12 miles south of Jerusalem. So this is a rugged area that's to the south of both Bethlehem and further beyond from Jerusalem, okay? Now, the scripture records that Amos was a herdsman or basically a shepherd as well as a dresser of sycamore trees. Now, when we say a herd, why did they say herdsman? Why didn't they just say shepherd? Well, he, in that area, the sheep in that area tended to be a rugged type of sheep. And they kind of referred to the shepherds who took care of them as herdsmen. Now, this type of sheep was pretty special 
in its ruggedness is, is that the wool that it provided was of such fine quality compared to other sheep in other areas. So he was basically a shepherd. But he wasn't just a shepherd, he was a dresser of sycamore trees. You ever seen a sycamore tree? Okay, we, we know about sycamore, right? Okay. But we don't, I don't think we have sycamore trees in our year. We do? In our backyard. Oh, we have two at, oh, that's in Indiana County, but not in Clearfield County, okay? Okay, all right. Yes. Now, here's the interesting thing about the sycamore trees in this area. Maybe this is true in our area as well. The trees produced a fig-like fruit, which is sweet, watery, and woody in nature. Do our sycamore trees produce fruit? Okay, well, in, 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 the middle, in, in Israel, they did, okay? And so he was a dresser of sycamore trees, which produced this fig-like fruit, okay? Now, here's the interesting thing about this fruit. It was eaten by poorer people, and it had to be pinched or bruised before it would ripen. You know, whatever the fruit was, you had to either pinch it or bruise it for it to ripen, and then you could eat it. But I guess it was sweet, watery, and woody. Well, that tells you something, right? And only poor people ate it, all right? So that tells you a little bit about who this guy is. He's a rugged, he's a rugged guy. He tends to what? His shepherds were at the bottom of the social economic strata. It's not like he's, a, he's really up there as far as what he's doing in life. But he's also producing a product that only who eats? Poor people, okay? Do you think he would be aware of what's going on with poor people? Yeah, remember, I told you one of the things he's going to address is the oppression of the poor, okay? So, yeah, I thought, the only thing I could think of close to this was a winter pear. You know what I'm saying? But we don't pinch winter pears to, or bruise them to ripen them, do we, okay? Now, interesting, he's from the southern kingdom. He's from Judah. But his ministry is directed toward the northern kingdom. So he's from the southern kingdom, but God directs him to go and proclaim a prophecy against the northern kingdom, the ten tribes to the north, okay? So that's what we're seeing here. He is described by some scholars as the first great reformer of the nation. So whatever he was trying to do, he was trying to bring reform through his message. I don't think he accomplished it. We know that much, right? But he was trying to bring reform to the nation uh, with his prophecy. He was not of the school of prophets. In the north, if you remember reading in Second. First and second kings, there were some prophets who were part of the school of the prophets. This was from the time of around Elijah, okay, and Elisha. By this time, they, he was not of the school of prophets which had begun to share what the people wanted. The school of the prophets, by this time, they adjusted their message. 
more away from what God was telling the people to do to now telling them whatever they wanted to hear. Okay? Is that a danger? Do you guys think that's a danger sometimes for, for, for people who proclaim God's word and who preach? You move from just saying what God wants, you, wants to be said to you're telling the people what they want to hear. Okay? Do you think that's an issue today? Yeah, yeah. And in fact, Paul, Paul talks about it in 2 Timothy chapter 4, those who tickle your ears. You know what I'm saying? You tickle their ears. You tell them what they want to hear. In fact, people want to pursue people like that. They don't want to have somebody telling them the way it is, okay? Now, unlike Hosea, Amos and his prophecy can be summed up in one word, justice. So he's a rugged guy from a rugged area, and he's got a delicate message. Now, he's got a rugged message who's proclaiming one word, justice. Justice from God, okay? Now, interesting enough is, we mentioned Hosea. During this same time period, remember Hosea is the first prophet we looked at? He prophesied during this same time to the northern kingdom, but he was from the northern kingdom. God raises up somebody from the southern kingdom to go and proclaim a message at the same time. Isn't it interesting? God does that. He works with different people, okay? Works with different people. Now, <clears throat> what is the kind of the purpose, the, the occasion for this, the theme of the book, okay? So that's this is where we're going to focus the rest of our time, okay? So the book of Amos is primarily one of judgment. So we're going to look at several oracles. This book is not just one prophecy, but several oracles. Several statements that are conveyed by the prophet, which bring judgment. God's going to call and pronounce judgment on the northern kingdom and on the people of Israel. But though it ended with words of hope. Now, isn't that the way God operates? God's not, if you notice, throughout the scripture, when we're ever talking about it, he brings words of what? Judgment. This is what's going to happen if you do this. But he always, with that, provides words of what? Hope. Okay? Hope. This is what to look forward to. All right. The Lord Almighty would come as a warrior to judge the nations that had rebelled against his authority. One of the major things you're going to see in this book, which is, is, which is basically even indicative of the second coming of Christ, is, is that he's coming as a warrior. And when he comes as a warrior, he's going to bring judgment on the nations because they have what? Rebelled against his authority. That's going to be true in the second coming. So, for instance, when Jesus came the first time, what did he ride into Jerusalem on? A donkey. All right. That's not something a warrior would ride in on, right? When he comes in the second time, what's he going to be riding on? A white stallion. Now, to the ancient, that was always a mark of a great leader. And he's going to come with a sword, the word of God coming out of his mouth, and, and he's going to bring judgment Okay? And that's what we see here. We see here God is being portrayed here in this prophecy 
as one who will judge the nations who have rebelled against his authority. Okay? Who have rebelled against his authority. Now, Israel would be punished for her covenant violations against him. So again, this goes back to what Moses said on the mountain just before they went into the promised land. This is what Deuteronomy is about, where Moses gives them a list of blessings and a list of curses that would fall on them, depending on their hearts and where they were at with the Lord. The prophets are always, we've seen this with the other two, are hearkening back to those curses and blessings and reminding the people, remember, we swore that we would follow the Lord, and if we didn't, this is what God is going to do. And so the prophet is coming along and saying, okay, here's what God says. I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. I'm going to punish you. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to, I'm going to destroy the land. I'm going to take the land from you. I'm going to send you into exile. So Israel would be punished for her covenant violations against the Lord. Now, while the nation would be destroyed, God would preserve a remnant among the people. He wouldn't totally destroy them. He would save some of them, take them into exile. Do you understand? So there's the concept that while he's destroying the nation... He's going to save some of them so that he can bless them later. Okay? So he can bless them later. One day the remnant will be restored to prominence and covenant blessing. We haven't reached that point yet. Okay? They have not been totally restored. How do you know that? Yes, there, there are Jews back in Israel at this time. But they're not all there. There are actually more Jews outside of Israel, throughout the world. There are more Jews in the U.S. than there are Jews in Israel. Do you guys know that? Then you take those in Europe, you take those in Russia, you take those, there are even Jews in China. Okay? So, when they all are returned, God's going to what? Restore them to prominence, prominence, and he's going to Bless them with the covenant blessings that he told them, okay? Now, at that point, God will use the nation to draw all nations to the Lord. He'll use that restored people to draw all the other nations to him. That's what the prophet is going to tell us, okay? All right. Next week, we're going to get right into the text. So this is a different kind of prophet. We've looked at Hosea. His was a little bit different, although similar, similar in their message, right? We've looked at Joel. We're not sure exactly what period Joel is preaching in, but again, the same type of message. But this one, here's a guy who's a rugged guy who is going to proclaim a rugged message. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's a one of judgment, all right? One of judgment. 